Hey everyone, it's Henry. Welcome to Emerging MedTech Today by LSI. Today, I'm joined by Lana and Rob from Vector Medical. Together, we discuss the challenges in cardiac arrhythmia care today, how Lana and Rob took on their current leadership roles at Vector Medical, and how Vector's non-invasive AI-based solution promises to help physicians understand and treat arrhythmias more effectively, improve patient outcomes, and reduce costs. Enjoy. Rob, Lana, welcome to the Emerging MedTech Today podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Hey, Henry. Awesome. Lana, we'd love to start with a brief introduction on yourself and your role at Vector Medical. Thanks again for having us. Uh, really excited and honored to be part of the inaugural season. I recently joined as the head of business development at Vector Medical. And in terms of my background, I have over 20 years of experience in venture capital as a venture investor and also operator across a number of early stage startups and established technologies companies. And most recently, I served as senior director at Philips Ventures, the venture capital arm of Philips, where I led partnerships and venture investments focused on data, AI, and digital health across cardiovascular and neurovascular clinical domains. While I was at Philips, I worked very closely with our product teams across many businesses that were looking to address challenges across cardiac care pathways. I worked very closely with our image-guided therapy team that focused specifically on the cath lab setting. And I got the front row seat to understand the complexities, the challenges that exist across the cardiac care pathway, but also understand how to leverage digital and AI technologies to solve some of these challenges. We evaluated over 500 companies, so I'm pretty confident when I say that I probably got to see the latest and greatest when it comes to AI and digital technology. And over time, I started to develop the pattern recognition that VCs often have to help differentiate good from great. So when I met Victor Medical, I was really impressed by the technology and the team, and I saw the potential in VMAP changing and transforming the standard of care and how care can be delivered to patients across the world. Fantastic. And I'm curious, having spent so much time in venture capital, and as you mentioned, getting that savvy for recognizing patterns, seeing the next big thing and sifting the great from the good, what motivated you to want to get back into the operator side in addition to the outstanding technology Vector has, making that decision to leap from the corporate strategic venture arm back into the early stage company? I've always loved building things and there's nothing better than working with a team that really knows what they are doing. And I'm just really, really excited to be part of this team in particular in this space that I'm very passionate about, transforming the cardiac care. And given the experience that I've had working with many data, AI, and digital company, I really felt I can help accelerate the commercialization of this particular technology and accelerate bringing this value to many clinics and many EP practices that are out there today looking for this kind of non-invasive AI-based solution. Makes a lot of sense. And thank you for the overview of the company. But I want to give Rob a chance to introduce himself and also ask, now that 
you've taken on the role of CEO at Vector Medical. What was it like transitioning into that role from your previous roles at the company? Thank you, Henry. Like Lana, I'm, I'm very excited to be here. And we're looking forward to the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners about the risks associated with heart rhythm disorders, also called arrhythmias, and how Vector Medical is working to revolutionize arrhythmia care. So I've spent the last 20 years at the intersection of law and business, working with cutting edge science, innovative companies and ideas. And I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled to join the company five years ago. Back then I was the chief operating officer and my role was really to drive our clinical and our regulatory product efforts, moving from what was really a proof of concept research software into a full, what it is today, the US FDA cleared medical device. About 18 months ago, our board of directors at Vector Medical asked me to transition to the CEO role. And that was really to build on our early success, it really to ensure that long-term promise of improving arrhythmia care, which I'm incredibly delighted to say we're doing on a daily basis around the country. And to get specifically to your question on the perspective of a lawyer CEO, it's interesting. They did a research, US News and World Report went and looked about 10 years ago into the number of lawyers that are CEOs at companies, and it's about 10%. So it's not the most common background coming into the CEO role. But interestingly, it does arm you with a skill set of taking extremely complex problems or activities and helping break them down into more concrete, achievable activities, whether that's an incredibly complex legal issue or launching a new technology and building a, a world-class startup team. And, and let me just give you two examples, if you'll allow me. In medtech, one of the things that's interesting is there's a, a number, not a large number, but a, a small number of major players that drive cardiology and electrophysiology today. And really, in order to play in that sandbox, companies need to be smart about protecting their innovation before sharing the ideas. And so one of the things we did at Vector Medical was to leverage the brilliant minds we had in the company to establish a strong IP portfolio before we came out of stealth mode. And that allows us to play on a more comfortable level with those players. Another area that I think is really interesting is the idea of working in a regulated environment. That can be intimidating for early entrepreneurs and small companies. But I've spent my whole life uh, working in regulated environments. And when you have that experience, you realize there's a brain power that exists in our regulators. Some of the sharpest minds I've come across have been at the US FDA. And so from our early days at Vector, we engaged in, and this may be controversial, but we engaged in open communication with FDA. And it helps set our expectations for getting through clearance and actually will help us. We're building AI-based enhancements today. And our conversations that are going are going to help us in the future. So there's just a couple examples of how the lawyer CEO thinks about building in an entrepreneurial space, but it really helps set those foundations that we need to build. And I'm really proud of what we built. I think we're going to have a real impact on the cardiovascular space and help what we'll talk about in a minute, the many millions of people suffering from cardiac arrhythmias. Absolutely. And it's fascinating to hear about that perspective from the lawyer CEO transition. We had a panel at our last event in, in the USA with lawyers that were in venture capital. And we heard an interesting similar thread of how breaking down those problems with that background provides a different perspective to complement the other perspectives that are rounded out on the team as you hear with Lana and her venture capital background, yourself with your legal and business background. We talk about the problem that you're solving here and cardiac arrhythmia care at large is a massive one. Lana, I'd love to hear from your perspective. Tell me about this problem by the numbers. What's the standard of care look like today? And why is this such a compelling area for innovation? 
The standard of care in cardiac arrhythmias right now is far from optimal. In fact, it hasn't really changed that much in the past two decades. It's the cardiac arrhythmia in care today is probably where the CAD or coronary artery disease care was about 20 years ago. And that's staggering. And when you start looking at the numbers, they're shocking. The incidence and prevalence of the diseases on the rise. You've got one in four adults over the age of 40 that's going to develop this kind of arrhythmia condition. And if you look at the number of patients that are actually getting treatment, it's really, really small. Only 2% of patients who have been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation, for example, or AFib, which is the most common cardiac arrhythmia condition, are going to get treatment, 2%. It's definitely not where we want, right, the standard of here to be, and something is going to change. The challenge is that not a lot of people realize that cardiac arrhythmias can cause stroke and other conditions like dementia, leading to 10% of global deaths. So there is a lot of just general public awareness that still needs to happen. And the other challenge is that given the staff and clinician shortage across the healthcare systems, we just, we can't throw bodies at this problem, right? So we've got a disease uh, incidence and prevalence on the rise while we have only a small number of patients being treated. So we can't throw clinicians or staff at this problem. We have to look at the technology that can tackle this. And you mentioned taking a look at that technology that can tackle this. Let's expand on that a little bit. And drawing from your background in venture capital and in healthcare, what makes cardiology particularly ripe? In addition to the market, that size and opportunity, what about this space makes it ripe for those technology solutions, the integration of AI and other digital technologies to improve the existing standard of patient care? So let's break this down a little bit more. Over the past five years, I spent, well, at Philips, I spent quite a bit of my time working with some of the brilliant minds in healthcare and technology from clinicians to scientists and engineers, breaking down these problems, breaking down these challenges, looking at complex care pathways like neurovascular care pathway and cardiac rhythm pathway, trying to better understand where the bottlenecks are, what the current workflow looks like and how to potentially optimize it. And what I learned was that if you look at the neurovascular care pathway, for example, or stroke care pathway, the challenges that you see across that care pathway are very similar challenges that exist today across the cardiac arrhythmia pathway. These pathways are incredibly complex. They are lengthy with lots of touch points and handoffs, many handle, many stakeholders. And it takes a really long time to diagnose a disease. And then it takes a really long time to get the right treatment to the right patient. So when you look at these kind of problem and you start thinking about what can be done, given that we can't really throw bodies at this problem, you start thinking about AI and digital technologies and how they can 
automate some of the steps and some of the inefficiencies that currently exist today with a goal to treat early or diagnose somebody early and bring them to the right treatment, to the right treatment facility to deliver care that they need, thus enabling and expanding the care to many more patients. Yeah, the opportunity there is tremendous, particularly with the advancement of the technologies you're referencing. Let's now put it in the context of Vector Medical. Rob, talk me through your solution, what it is, how it works, and give us an overview of your clinical studies, particularly the exciting data you recently presented at a symposium on biomarkers and personalized medicine and cardiovascular disease, and on this exciting utility of the product in unmappable ventricular tachycardia ablation. Thanks, Henry. And I would just want to say, I think Lana speaks very eloquently on the problem. It's a huge problem. It's behind some of the other areas in cardiology. And it's really ripe for a technological solution like our product, VMAP. VMAP really looked at what's missing in cardiac arrhythmia care and intends to step into that void. What VMAP is, it's an AI-based arrhythmia analysis tool. And it's really intended to hit at the heart of some of these problems, cardiac ablation outcomes, improved workflows, and procedural efficiencies. And so how do we do that? So what we do is, first, we're the only non-invasive arrhythmia tool on the market today that uses data just from the 12-lead ECG. And the reason the 12-lead ECG is so important as our tool is it's the most used test in cardiology. It's available around the world. You can get one from your general practitioner. You can get one from your cardiologist. You can get one from your electrophysiologist. But at each stage, if we're able to capture your arrhythmia at any of those places along the care pathway... I can help your electrophysiologist help you. And that's incredibly important. What we're intended to do, what we do, is we help improve patient outcomes and simplify the procedures by helping the physician understand your specific arrhythmia. And so those are our value drivers, improve patient outcomes, enhance procedural efficiencies. Now, it should be intuitive, but let me give you a little bit more background. So what we do is we have a vast computational and clinical-based library of arrhythmias, over a million actually. And in that, we're able to understand where your arrhythmia is located. And that's important if you understand an ablation treatment, because ablation is essentially treating, burning, freezing, or otherwise taking care of the area of your heart that's causing these irregular heartbeats. And the amazing part about our bodies is, and I love this about it, ingenuity of our bodies is, if you treat these malfunctioning cells in your heart that are causing these irregular beats, your heart returns to healthy function, lub dub. And it's absolutely amazing. We go back to healthy state if we treat the right areas. So it should be intuitive. Therefore, if I can help the doctor reach those areas, we can get better outcomes. But also, if you know where you're going ahead of the procedure, you better plan your procedure. You do less untargeted activities in the procedure. And so that leads to a shorter procedure, which has a lot of benefits. If we talk about healthcare economics, we're talking about reducing cost but also enhancing patient safety. Less time on anesthesia, less time exposed to x-ray or fluoroscopy. And we're seeing some of those benefits every day with the clinicians that are using our technology. So you asked about some of our recent studies. One of those is we did a time study, we looked at the first 30 cases of the use of our product. So it wasn't biased. We just looked at the first 30 commercial cases and we compared them based on arrhythmia type, based on complexity type, and actually the doctor. So I think there's six or seven electrophysiologists involved in the study. And what we saw is actually compelling and incredible data. 
compared to the use with VMAP and prior to VMAP, we saw a 26% reduction in procedure time. Now, keep in mind, some of these procedures are two, three, or four hours long. If you have an incredibly complex VT and I can pull an hour out of that procedure, that's an open operating lab that can help another patient. Or let's be honest, nurses work incredibly hard. And if they can get home a little bit earlier or just not have burnout, which we're seeing in our hospitals, that's an incredible benefit to the healthcare system. Let's talk about the other two studies that you mentioned, the biomarker study. That's one of the ones I'm most proud of. So at the biomarker symposium this year, we talked about our early study data with atrial fibrillation, which Lana mentioned is the most common type of arrhythmia. In those cases, when compared to a PVI-only standard of care, we're able to see a 51% increase in successful freedom from atrial arrhythmias at six months. That's outstanding. That's a monumental jump. I wouldn't be so excited if we were talking a 10% increase or a marginal increase with some procedural efficiencies. These are real patients with real improved outcomes. The other study that we talked about, and this is on the total opposite spectrum, we have the most common cases. Now we have the most difficult cases. You talked about unmappable VTs. These are arrhythmias in the bottom of your heart, and they're called unmappable because doctors hate doing them. In order to essentially entrap and find the location source of these arrhythmias, they have to induce your arrhythmia and essentially puts you in a state of no blood pressure. So you, for lack of a better terminology, you essentially die for a short amount of time and the doctor has to bring you back to life. And this can happen several times, which is why electrophysiologists don't like to do it. The neat part about our technology is that we can give the physician guidance on where to head and then treat it without this multiple opportunities of killing you and bringing you back to life, really improving, well, decreasing risk. But we also saw an incredible 98% reduction in ICD therapy with the use of our technology in these cases. We announced that at HRS back in May, incredibly excited about it. In total, we set out with this technology to create a product that enhances outcomes, safety, costs, and efficiencies. And we're excited that all of our early data is hitting on those points. That's fantastic. I think the perspective of taking both the the most common scalable condition within the disease state, as well as the most challenging heady beasts that you have to face is fantastic to see, especially at this stage. And as you mentioned, the product is clearly doing what uh, what you intended in that FDA has given it the nod and it's now on market. I'd love to hear where the company goes from here with that approval and commercialization pathway being developed now. Yeah, great question. Our job is to build on these early successes and play out the long-term vision for the company. So really there's three peers for that. And I wanna talk about each of them. So first we have to build that foundation for strong growth and execute on our commercial rollout. The second is continuing to generate strong clinical evidence. Doctors care about the clinical evidence, electrophysiologists feed on that information. And that is the lifeblood of MedTech. And the third thing is continuing to innovate. We're already working on additional AI enhancements for our technology because the science requires it, the doctors require it. And we're also moving towards a cloud-based infrastructure. And that's important because today in the US market, we have a hardware system, it works well in the US market. In other places, it may be better to access and provide distribution through a cloud-based system where you get on a web browser, you enter the patient's information and then we provide that data back without needing to provide a computer system in potentially remote areas or clinics that need to move around. A little bit more detail on each of those areas. In the foundation side, 
and Mana has been instrumental in this. I can't give her enough credit for her work, but we're building a world-class medical advisory board with real key opinion leaders from around electrophysiology, just some incredible names. And we're going to work with these experts to build out further evidence in atrial fibrillation, VT. And then excitingly, I don't know that we've ever mentioned this before, but our technology also has utility and we're starting to develop this in CRM, which is an incredible market. More people get pacemakers today than get ablations. And we see an opportunity to be in that field as well because we can map pacing. If you don't mind me asking, how did that opportunity come up? Is that one that came from outside of routine clinical use from KOLs? Is that something that came from internal R&D? What was the process of discovering that additional utility? I love the question, Henry. It really actually came internally through innovation of our own R&D team. We realized that we could map pacing. And what was some of these tools, but pacing in another format? If you think of a pacemaker, if you think of CRT therapy, each of those leads is like pacing for an ablation case. And so if I can map an arrhythmia, well, it's even easier to map a pace lead. One of the interesting things is there are some theories that almost all implantable devices are implanted suboptimally. And if you can give people an easy and cost-effective tool to give a better, more effective heartbeat, you may improve a lot of lives. So we're really excited. That's in early days, but we're really excited to work on that, that tranche of our technology. Super interesting. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Some of the other areas we want to continue to build that clinical evidence. We want to strengthen our commercial team. We also want to make sure that we have easy integration in all mapping systems in the U.S. market. So I mentioned earlier, there's some major players in the U.S. market. Each of them have different customer bases. The neat part about our complementary technology is that we enhance all of those technologies. Whether you're working with a player like Biosense Webster or J&J, we can help those cases and we don't need to displace anybody, but we get everybody a better outcome, a quicker outcome. And that makes industry better, that makes patients happier, and that makes doctors happier. The last thing is, I mentioned it earlier, and it's really important. We've launched some significant enhancements to our technology. We'll be announcing that actually in a PR release in the next few weeks. In all ways, it's a newer and more doctor-friendly version of VMAP, and some of our early doctors are already using it with fantastic feedback. And then we're actively developing those proof-of-concept AI enhancements we're jumping in a little bit into imaging analysis and some other stuff that is in a major part of the um, cardiovascular care pathway. Very interesting. And these are the kinds of updates we'll be looking forward to at uh, LSI Europe 23 in Barcelona, Spain, where you'll be presenting Vector Medical and hopefully able to share as much as we can possibly get our hands on about these exciting new applications and utilities of the technology. Lana, before I ask Rob about uh, his first time at LSI Europe, I'd love to hear your perspective from having attended LSI previously. What are you looking forward to on behalf of bringing Vector Medical there for the first time? First of all, I'm a big fan of LSI. I've attended many LSI events and spoke at a number of them. And what I love most about what you guys have created and built is the community that you bring together from startups to investors to strategics. And I also really enjoy the size of the community. It's not too small, it's not too large, just the right size that creates that intimacy and creates connections that truly lasts. But it also, just speaking from experience, it also helps us on the startup side find the connections that we need 
within the venture world. And on the VC side, coming again from the Philips venture world, we, during the 2021 and 2022, we actually found a number of syndicate partners for three deals that we were working on at that time. From my perspective, it's a really great proof point for LSI and the community that you've created because it really enables us innovators and investors to do what we are here to do, to bring the innovations to the people that truly need it and can benefit from them. And I want to add, I'm incredibly excited about LSI Europe. It's an impressive list of innovators, industry, and investors. And we've been proactive in scheduling meetings. We already have a number of one-on-one meetings scheduled. And I think in general, a benefit to the dialogue that happens between industry and, and inventors. And we're also incredibly excited about talking about Vector Medical outside of the United States. We have a really strong early traction in the U.S., but obtaining CE Mark is one of our goals for the company over the next 24 months. And so given our understanding of the differences between the U.S. market and the European market, and particularly how each does ablation procedures a little bit differently and the tools that they analyze. We see a real opportunity to, in the future, to assist in the European market. And that's one of those discussions that's so nice to have, those relationships that are so important to build for our future, to talk with the innovators and the industry and the investors in Europe. Awesome. Well, we are very excited to have both of you there and appreciate the perspective on the success you found in the events previously, Lana and Rob, looking forward to hearing more about how Vector Medical will be able to penetrate the European market. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion about the differences in dynamics with the regulatory changes between the EU and the US. And I'm sure there'll be uh, some interesting perspective to add from Vector already having FDA clearance and now pursuing uh, the European market via CE Mark. So really looking forward to that amongst the other technology and clinical updates and business updates that you'll be providing there. Thank you both so much for joining us today and we'll see you in Spain. Thank you very much, Henry. Thank you, Henry. Thanks for tuning in to Emerging MedTech Today by LSI. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you're automatically notified when there's a new episode. For more about LSI and the Emerging MedTech Today podcast, and to continue exploring our suite of videos, interviews, and other resources, visit emergingmedtechtoday.com and find the link in the show notes.